1: All right, welcome to the Chronic Podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Marlborough. It's early in the week, so that means we're joined by Andrew Jukes to help us get through yet another week of this black hole that is the 2012 season. Andrew, I would ask you if you're doing well, but you're probably not doing so well with the Saints being 0-4. Yeah, I actually
0: have a poll up on my site right now, and I'm asking... uh, fans to give me their opinion on how they feel about this season. If it's, you know, I I blame the squarely on the shoulders of Goodell, or I'm angry, or I'm shocked, or I'm depressed. And uh, right now depressed is is leading by a healthy margin. So, uh, and I think I feel the same way. I think we all just feel like um, it's just, it sucks. Like you're four games in the season and you know it's over already and you got 12 to go and that's tough. That's tough as a fan.
1: Yeah, I mean it is. It is the the thing that was that was sort of so. In a way, I hate to use this word, but because it, it, it's so melodramatic, but heartbreaking about Sunday, is that the Saints got every break you could get. They got calls that went their way. They got Packers running into each other instead of intercepting the ball. You know. They didn't turn the ball the Packers turned the ball over twice. The Saints didn't turn the ball over any. It's the first time the Saints lost a football game when they didn't turn the ball over since two thousand and two. And they had everything the other way and they still couldn't win. And to yep. me to me, Andrew, that speaks to the depths of the suckness of their defense. There's no there's no other way to put it.
0: No, you're right. I mean, look, uh, uh, if, if that doesn't convince you that they're far inferior to a team like the Packers, I don't know what will, because when you beat a team by, by, by two in the turnover margin, you know, you, you look at the Jimmy Graham pass that hit the turf and that was called a catch after review. Um, you know, the touchdown to Colston, which was offensive pass interference, the fumble by Darren Sproles it wasn't called. And then if uh, the Packers about to kick a field goal, a dumb penalty, and somehow the Saints get the ball on a fumble on the next play, and you flip it, and the Saints kick the goal, and a dumb penalty kicked out to one. So for a field goal anyway. So, I mean, there's just there were just so many breaks that the Saints got in that game. Um, I mean, every single jump ball, every single um, 50-50 went their way, and um, they still lost. It's, it's kind of incredible. But, um, you know, you speak about how that speaks volumes of the stuckness that is the defense. Um, but I think at the end of the day, um, when, when you look at this, it's becoming clearer and clearer to me that this defense
1: is just soft. Yeah, I mean, and, and we'll talk about that. You, you have a – me and email, Andrew, sometimes we email a lot of times back and forth topics, before, you know, to talk about during the show, and I'll let you talk about it, but your basic theory is Bountygate has made the Saints less aggressive and soft, so explain it.
0: Well, I think, you know, and, and you go back to the greatest of the game. I know I've said this before, and you've probably all heard me say it, but, you know, Lawrence Taylor, Ronnie Lott, Ray Lewis, Dick Butkus, uh, Mean Joe Green, you know, talking about some of the great defenders in the history of the NFL were some of the nastiest, yeah. dirtiest players alive. I mean, of all the players that you can pick out of a hat, the hat, who, was the meanest, who, who made the most illegal moves that you would describe as a guy that, almost crossed the line, and, and those are the guys you think of. Um, and while the Saints have never had that kind of talent, um, that was the kind of uh, style that Greg Williams um, instilled in, in a defense. And look, I'm not saying that Greg Williams was all that, because look, let's be honest, um, he had times when he was there with the Saints where he was incredibly successful, and others where his team fell flat on its face and got exposed pretty badly. Um, but I think if you look at uh, the coaching staff and the players. Um, I, I think there's always been a lack of talent. Yeah. I, I think the one player that you can argue um, that really had quote unquote talent was Darren Sharper in 2009, who, in my opinion, had elite um, just a player awareness and ball skills for a defensive back. Um, but beyond that, that, Sharper in 2009, I really feel like this defense has been completely devoid of any well, sort of.
1: I would I would I would throw Will Smith in there for 2009 because he had a, I think he had 11 yeah. he had 11 and a half sacks and, and that clearly was Will Smith's peak as a as a player.
0: No, but, you're right. Um, but besides so, uh, that, Smith, yeah. So I just feel like when you when you don't have talent um, and you have a scheme like Spagnolo's where it requires talent to be successful. Um, In other words, you know, he's rushing four guys most of the time. So that only really works if you've got pass rushers that can get to the quarterback. And obviously the Saints don't have that. Now, look, I don't really blame Spaggs. I mean, if you look at the Saints' defensive line, it's three first-round picks and a high-ticket free agent. I mean, in theory, if you invest three first-round picks and a lot of money in a free agent in your four defensive linemen, you should be able to get to the quarterback. So, Um, I blame probably talent evaluation more than than Spagnola, but look, um, I I think mentally this whole Bounty Gate thing, it's become clear to me that the Saints were never going to win defensively based on talent this year, so it was going to have to be by a mean streak. It was going to have to be by effort, and I think one comment that RG3 made in week two that really hit this home with me was that he said point blank... The Rams were dirty. They were nasty. Um, they played the game the way it shouldn't be played. You know, there was a lot of whining. And he compared them to the Saints and said, by comparison, the Saints played the right way. Um, the Saints are a classy defense. And and that, to me, as a fan,
1: it's was bad. the most horrific
0: horrific thing quarterback could ever say about the defense of the team I root for. Because, I mean, if you look at defense and classy in the NFL thesaurus, um, some of the other words you would get that would be the same would be terrible, awful, yeah. no soul. Um, you know, because defenses aren't, aren't made to be classy. They're made no. to fit, they're made to hit turnovers, they're made to be nasty. And so, I mean, put it to you this way, as fans, would you rather your team be called classy while they're embarrassed with a 40-point output by a rookie quarterback? Or would you rather win the game and be called dirty?
1: Yeah, one I mean, of my... No, I mean, and and this is one of my examples. I think I've told this story i told on the podcast before, but it's, it's, you know, when I was working as an intern in Channel 9, I was covering LSU during the Donardo years. I think it was Lou Tepper who was a horrible defensive coordinator, but I was out at LSU practice, and they were running the play, and the, the, the linebacker for LSU just filled the hole and just blew the run and play up. And you could see the coach for LSU running there, and he's like, that's what we do. That's what defense does. Offense, those pretty boys, they're about precision and timing and all that bullshit. Defenses, we blow shit up. And I was like, there you go. That's that's pretty much football in a nutshell. Offense is about precision and timing and patterns and all that fun stuff. And defense is about blowing shit up.
0: Yep, no doubt about it. And and I think the only time I've really felt like the Saints had that um, that that blow it up moment. Um, and and this to me is a perfect example, um, mm-hmm. both ways of the dichotomy of the high risk where you get burned and the high reward of the the Greg Williams system. And again, I, I'm not saying that it, it's it's the end all be all, but I think with the the current talent that the Saints have. I'm sad to say that I think it's a better fit um, than And uh, So anyway, the perfect example for me was the Malcolm Jenkins um, sequence. And um, so perfect example, third and three inside the 10, uh, the quarterback's flushed out of the pocket, he has nowhere to go, and he basically throws the ball away. And you've got a face mask on the play. The dumbest mistake you could ever make, horrible penalty, huge mistake at a critical time. The team, the other team, was about to kick a field goal. You had just stopped them, and instead, you basically gift wrapped them a touchdown. So that's the high risk that you talk about with um, the Greg Williams defense. They're physical, they're nasty, yeah. and, and it burned them there. But lo and behold, Aaron Rodgers gets knocked out of the game temporarily. New quarterback comes in, turnover, and the next series, Aaron Rodgers comes in, interception, and so. That's the high reward that we talk about. And so, you know, you talk about affect the head. And in a way, Malcolm Jenkins did that. He, he got his, 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 uh, his fingers in the face mask. He practically gouged Aaron Rodgers' eye. And most people would look at that and say, hey, that that's dirty. But you know what? It affected him. It affected the head. Not literally, but mentally, he rattled Aaron Rodgers' yeah. cage a little bit. And I think a yeah. quarterback, it's one thing when they're in the pocket – and he's moving around and he's kind of massaging the ball comfortably into the defensive backfield, and he has all his time. And when mentally he starts thinking, "Wait a minute, if I get flushed out of the pocket and Malcolm Jenkins has me in his sights, he's going to try to rip my head off." Yeah. And if that starts playing into the mentality of a quarterback. That's when you start seeing mistakes, and and we saw that in the Saints game. So well, that was for me. That was the first time where, as bad as that play was, I was like, finally, at least hmm. someone has netted up and decided. I'm going to play nasty football because that's the only way this defense is going to accomplish
1: anything. Well, the one thing I, I, and I I think your point is well taken. The one thing that I I would slightly disagree with you is that, is that I think while the bounty stuff, you can say it's a part of it and no talent's a part of it. I think a, a huge issue with the Saints defense, not looking nasty and not looking fast is that defense Andrew is just like offense or anything else in football you have to build momentum towards it and if you're getting your head kicked in play after play after play it's hard to be physical and it's hard to be nasty and really this defense except for that one little stretch against the Packers that you just mentioned where they caused the fumble they got the interception and they forced the three and out when they were uh, not a three and out but they forced the Packers to punt when they were up 27 21 besides that stretch They've sucked all year long, and it's hard to play with confidence and be physical and be confident as a defense when you're constantly getting run over and getting torched. I mean, you could see it in the Saints' offense. On the flip side, where the Saints' offense, you know, especially in the second half and you know right before they scored right before in the second half, especially they built so much momentum. It was like third and twelve, whatever. We're hitting Colston in the seam, and you could you could feel that they had confidence, momentum, and I think that's just a big chunk, big problem with this defense is they're not physical and they're not flying around and they're not being nasty because they're not forcing third and third and longs and they're sucking. And, you know, it's just like any sport that you play. I'm sure you in tennis, if you're, if you're sucking on your serve, it's hard to build momentum to feel good about, you know, getting things going your way.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. They, 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 they started flat from the very beginning and it's, and they don't have anything to build on right now because they haven't really had any successful moments. But, um, you know, my, my theory, and, and this is what I had emailed you about, was that I feel like the coaches – I feel, first of all, like the players are playing a little soft because I feel like they have this mentality of ESPN has talked about Bounty Gate, and Roger Goodell has maybe put the fear of God in them that, hey, well, we have your eye on you, and if there's three or four yeah. personal fouls, if you leave the, the league in personal fouls in one weekend, you know, all of a sudden every the media is going to start whining again. Saints are dirty, Saints Roger, look into it, you know. They're going to cry party foul. And, and I think if you look back at Joe Gitt's, one of his first press conferences, the first thing he said was, you know, the one thing that I've learned, and I'm paraphrasing here, the one yeah. thing that I've learned from this whole thing is that I've really got to be careful about the way that I say things, and I've got to choose my words more carefully. Well, I feel like the Saints coaching staff, it feels like they've got a recorder in the room. And so they're mincing words and they're probably not as effective at motivating these players. And I mean, I, I, we just, we know what happens in an NFL locker room. You think Greg Williams and stuff was bad. Go into the Baltimore Ravens locker room and listen to what guys like Terrell Suggs and Ray Lewis and Ed Reed say every single weekend about what they're going to do to opposing players, what they're going to do to opposing quarterbacks. I mean, those guys spit in each other's mouths, spit in each other's faces. I mean, yeah, they'll do anything basically to get themselves yeah. riled up and get that testosterone going. And I, I feel like there's a little bit maybe by this coaching staff, of of this whole the, the post effect of Bounty Gate has made them mince words have has made them a little bit soft and less emotional, and you almost have to play defense with a little emotion.
1: Well, you know, I think the interesting thing with this defense is, it, is it comes back to Above all, no talent. And that brings me to my next question, Andrew, is sort of you you gave the player grades. And we'll get to the offense in a a minute because the offense, I think, at least gives hope that the Saints can maybe win some games down the line. Um, But this defense, you mentioned in your grades that Spags sort of wasn't sort of ironclad sticking to his scheme and sticking to the veteran players. Like, he was trying damn near everything and nothing worked. So where do they go from here on defense? Well,
0: you're you know you're stuck with the players you have, and they're not going to pick someone up mid-season that's going to change anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, literally the second play of the game, Cam Jordan was there at defensive tackle, and uh, Junior Gillette was in, Tom Johnson was in, Akeem Nix was in, Roger Punkley was in. Um, you know, Junior Gillette, Martez Wilson. I mean, he he tried everything. Um, and, and none of those guys were able to get pressure. So, and and the real concern there is if you look at the Packers in the first three weeks, that, that's one of oh. the offensive lines that struggle the most in the NFL, and uh, they they couldn't beat what I I kind of perceived as a poor pass blocking offense. So, um, you know, I don't know where that leads you. I think I think uh, I think anytime you've got a scheme it's not working as a coach um you've got to abandon it a little bit you've got to adjust Mm -hmm. and you've got to you on the fly I mean and this is something Sean Payton is better at than almost anyone I think on the fly Spagnuolo is now going to have to try to play to the team's strengths, you know and kind of abandon what he believes in I think it's not working um and start playing with the personnel that he has you know and I, I think over time, maybe Spagnuolo sticks around. Maybe they get the right personnel to really give him a chance for his defense to flourish. I um, mean, you know, that's probably going to take a few years, especially with the cap problem. So I don't know if the Saints will hang on to him for that long. And but um, you know, I think I think he's going to have to blitz more first and foremost. And you know, that that means Corey White and Patrick Robinson and Jabari are going to have to be trusted to cover better. But I think starting against the Chargers on Sunday night. Um, you know, get back to sending Roman Harper in there and, and blitzing, because he's not blitzing much right now. And, you know, Roman Harper's a ghost of his former self. You know, he he hasn't really uh, made any plays. And,
1: what the hell They're 0 um, for.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I mean, Harper, for better or for worse, was kind of the headhunter of the Greg Williams defense. You know, he was the guy that kind of blitzed, that caused fumbles. Um, he, he was going to get beat. You know, he was going to get beat in coverage. He was going to miss some tackles going for the big hit, but um, occasionally, he would do stuff, and um, maybe Spagnuolo just needs to adopt that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean they they need uh, they need this offense needs something, the defense needs something good to happen to it early, especially Sunday night. Maybe the crowd can help them. But before we get to the Chargers game, I want to talk about uh, the offense. And to me, you know, I think the running game is going to be it's not going to be as good because they've lost Carl Nixon. They just don't – they don't have that – they don't have quite the power running game. It might be inconsistent. But to me, Andrew, that they held up in a tough environment. I mean, Green Bay was loud, and it was nasty, and it, that's a hard place for an offensive line to, to play well and to me, when you go on the road, that's when your offensive line weaknesses show up. If, if you have a shoddy offensive line, you can kind of cover it up at home because you, you don't have to deal with the crowd noise. You know the snap count, and you can sort of hide it. And we were all sort of worried that it would fall apart and Clay Matthews would kill Drew Brees, but they, they, they held up really well. Their offense... Looked really good again. They were hitting their seam, the, 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 the plays in the seam that we come to expect of them, especially on third and long. Um, they hit Joe Morgan for a bomb, uh, which was quite fun on Twitter, and that could be that could be a good sign. Teams, uh, if they're scared of Joe Morgan, might hit him on a bomb. If if he could do that once more in the next two weeks, I think it'll really help the offense long term. Like it just it just has to be a po- it doesn't have to be consistent, Andrew. It just has to be a possibility. Like a lot of yeah,
0: where people are, are reviewing game tape and realizing, yeah. okay, this is something we at
1: least have he to. He might have for. to if we don't cover him. He can catch the ball. Um, right. <laughs> um, but what did you see about this this offense? And do you? I feel pretty. I feel pretty good that the offense is going to be good enough going forward to win them some games. I think.
0: Yeah, I was surprised the run game was so poor because really, it was tough sledding. Yeah, um, it really was because it, honestly, um, I really felt like their their running game up to that point, up to that Packers game, was outstanding. I, I thought the Saints didn't run the football enough, but when they did, by and large, it looked really good. I mean, Pierre Thomas had that 100-yard game. Darren Sproles had that big run. Um, Ingram's looked pretty good in short-yard situations. So. I, I felt like the running game was okay, but man, uh, the, the Packers just completely dominated the line of scrimmage. Um, but I, I think, you know, their scheme was to kind of uh, keep everything um, close to the line of scrimmage, and so that, that I think opened up some things down the scene for Maurice, and so the way they played it um, actually kind of backfired on them. And, but no, I, I think the main thing that really encouraged me was the pass blocking, and that was a huge area of concern the first three, three weeks, and and, God, I mean, I, I thought, you know, if, if Streif can't hold up against Houston, you know, against uh, the linebacker Houston for Kansas City, how is he going to hold up against Clay Matthews? If Streif was outstanding in pass blocking and German Bushrod was outstanding. And, you know, they, they did a lot of things to account for um, for Matthews with rolls and picks and double teams. But there were times where both Streif and Bushrod were isolated one-on-one and kind of controlled them. You know, he was pancaked a few times and – so that, that was really impressive. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of have to go back to to question, you know, did Cromer spend extra time with his offensive line this week? You know, yeah, that man. that is his primary responsibility. And we know he's very good at it. He was very successful at it last year. And it's what made yeah. him the head coaching candidate <laughs> to begin with. And he's he sent numerous no-name guys like Bushrod and John Finchcomb to the Pro Bowl. So, um, you know, I. I'm not in the locker room, I don't know. But my theory is that um, Cromer recognized how bad they were playing and uh, spent extra time focused on them specifically this week.
1: You know, and it's not like they've, they said, you know, it's not like they said, the Saints said, oh, uh, Cromer's going to be interim, co- in, interim, interim coach, and we've got this guy who's going to be the offensive line coach. You know, I think I, I'm pretty sure Cromer's trying to juggle it all. And,
0: no, I think there's an assistant offensive line coach that's basically been promoted yeah. temporarily to take his place. I can't remember the guy's name, yeah. but, um, you know, obviously Cromer's the guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, he may have peeked in on it early. But now, um, you know, this is going to sound sort of, sort of maybe a little bit uh, crazy. And you know me, as they, they call me Dr. Doom on the Internet now because of my negativity uh, towards the Saints. But, Andrew, I really feel like the Saints – season people say you know you say it's done and it's this and that but i feel like this week they're sort of it's really bad but they're sort of stare it this week they're 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 staring at the abyss and either they start to climb out of it or they fall into the abyss and you say well they're 0 and four what does that matter i think if they win this week andrew there's a realistic chance that they're going to climb out of it And they're not going to get to 10, 11 wins, but they can climb out of it and get to 6, 7, maybe if things really break right, 8 wins, you know. But if they fall to 0 and 5, I really think you're looking at 3 wins or less. So I really think, like, this is where the season, if they don't get it together this week and win, it goes completely black,
0: I still can't believe they lost that Kansas City game. I still, I <laughs> still, like, I'm still, I, I think I'm going to be like this all season. I'm just like, how did they manage to blow that? But, um, anyway, no, I, I have this weird confidence about this game. Um, Me too. and part of it, part of it's the national TV thing. Part of it's the, um, the fact that they were 0 4 in 2007. And this, this is the moment that they kind of turned it around. And that game was on national TV as well. And um, I just feel like, they're, you know, it's Breeze against his old team and Sproles against his old team, and I know those two guys are going to be really hungry. And it's gonna, the Dome is going to be really drunk and depressed and loud, and, it's, you know, it's at home. And I, I just feel with the United record, United's record, all these things at play, I just have this weird, eerie confidence that as bad as the Saints have been, it's going to be one of those games where offensively they're clicking on all cylinders. And it's going to be similar to that Detroit Lions playoff game where it's kind of a jab by the Chargers and an uppercut by the Saints. And, you know, it's kind of this tight boxing match for, like, five rounds. And then the Saints, you know, it's the Jabari Greer interception. The Saints land the hit that that knocks, you know, the Chargers down to the ground, and then they just keep rolling. And so I I think for one night I really strongly – I told you point blank they were going to get blown out by the Packers, and so no I was
1: surprised. I did too. I did too. Um,
0: but I, I really have this feeling the Saints are going to be one and four after this weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean the thing is with with me in that I, I have this eerie confidence as well. I just feel like the Saints are due because of all the bounty crap that's gone on the last seven months. They are going to give some team an ass whipping. I mean, a severe, yes. severe aspect where they just take out all their frustrations and all the bullshits that's happened to them, and some team is going to get it.
2: And are probably
0: going to be a good team.
1: And it, yeah, it's, it makes sense that it's the Chargers. Oh, the Chargers are three and zero. They're three and one. They're playing the zero and four Saints. They can get off to a four and one start. Oh, maybe Norv Turner's not a disastrous coach. Look at the Chargers. They're turning it around. And then they get like nice. they get hammered on on Sunday night. That is the Chargers' mo for the last five years since Norv's been their coach. Um, but I also have this weird feeling that they're gonna start to. That, they're going to start to dig themselves out of this hole, Andrew, like they did in 2007. And I don't think they're going to go to the playoffs. I'm not saying that, but I think if they're, I think they're going to get on a winning streak and they're going to start to pull themselves out. And just when they, we think they've almost got it together and they almost get to 500, then it's going to rear its ugly head again. And we're going to be like, Oh yeah, the defense blows. I forgot, (laughs) you know, like I was, I was telling my mom. I was saying, you know, I I can see them beating San Diego, beating Tampa, going to Denver and looking really good. And then everybody's like, Oh my God, they're three and four. They're playing Philadelphia on Monday night. We're back, baby. We're gonna crush Michael Vick. We just beat Peyton. We're gonna get to four and four, and we are in this. And then Michael Vick lights them up, and they're like, Oh yeah, the defense sucks balls. I forgot, you know. Yeah,
0: I mean, it, it, that's kind of how it played out in the 2007 yeah. season. I mean, they it, got it, to 4-4 and, and we're like, all right, Saints are rolling, they're on fire, and then they fell apart again. So yeah,
1: They played the um, Rams and got housed.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you're right. We were like 4-4 four and four and we played the Rams. Like, how perfect could this be? Yeah, we're like, we're going to
1: be in first place after this week, and then Bulger <laughs> just crushed them, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah Mark, oh, it, yeah. It, it, right. it
1: blows. Oh, damn it. Um, but, uh, as you look at this, as you look at this team, um, you know, a couple of issues is, is one, and, and, and because they didn't win, you know, we focus on, you know, the kicking and we'll get to that in a second, but I just want to say as far as guts and performance go and what sort of as fans we want out of the, we we say we want out of the players we want the players to care we want them to play hard and all that stuff Marcus Colston something is clearly 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 wrong with his foot and he just gutted it out and like you said on the pass interference call I think he was just like fuck it I can't get open I'm shoving the guy I'm catching the ball and if they call it whatever but <laughs> But I thought his performance was fantastic. And as far as, like, what I want out of my Saints player, that's what I want. I want a guy who, who gives a shit enough to not pack it in, to not be on the sideline, play through it. He played through it, and he played freaking great.
0: Yeah, you know, even on the touchdown reception, and, and there was another play later in the game where they tried to throw a fade to the corner, and yeah. I mean, he just made kind of a piss-poor attempt. I mean, you could tell he. He's no elevation whatsoever and couldn't really uh, physically do what he wanted out there because he's so limited. Um, but, man, what a performance by Marcus Colson. And it sucks that they lost and that has to go overlooked because um, you're absolutely right. He was playing on one leg and he just went out there, especially on those third and 14, third and 17, comes over the middle, makes a catch, gets blown up, and you know, takes a huge hit. And and just gets back up and is ready for the next play and um, you know and that look that's, that's that's what kept the Saints rolling and kept the Saints in the game was um, in large part due to Marcus Colson and Breeze was uh, was on fire thanks to him.
1: Yeah, I mean the Drew Brees was just about as I mean he to me to me Drew Brees was perfect in that game and and really I mean we'll get to, we'll get to to Hartley in a second. But I thought the key moment in the game was the Sproles drop because if Sproles catches that ball, worst case scenario is Hartley's kicking like a 30-yard field goal and Green Bay is getting the ball back with two minutes to go or less. Now, maybe if the Saints had only kicked the field goal, could they have held with two minutes to go with their defense? I would have said it'd probably be like at best a 50-50 shot, but even if Hartley makes that field goal with 2:54, I'd say it was probably an 80 percent chance that Green Bay wins anyway. And you know, really with this with the Sproles catch, they were probably Andrew two more first downs away from being able to line up Hartley to kick basically a glorified extra point to win the game. You know, so to me yeah, the, I
0: mean I, I really felt like the Saints had to score a touchdown on that drive the
1: yeah.
0: win. I I really felt like, you know, no, no lead is comfortable unless literally the Packers get the football and they a touchdown doesn't help them. You know, or at least a touchdown doesn't they're still they're still behind. You know, they're two scores behind. So um you know, yeah, I mean Sprouls has got to come up with that football. I mean, they don't even get there if Lance Moore doesn't make that fourth down catch. Oh, my God. What, what hands, what a reception. I mean,
1: what a throw. not overlooked
0: at that either. That, what a throw. I mean, that that really was incredible. Um, but, you know, it's hard to blame Hartley, and I know a lot of people are pointing fingers at him. I mean, first of all, you said 80%. Dude, there was, there was almost three minutes left in that yeah. game. The Packers had one or two timeouts at that point. There is zero doubt in my mind that Rodgers is driving them in the field goal range against that defense, and the Packers win that game. You know, once the Saints lined up for a field goal, to me it was already over. Um, I I just knew that even if Hartley made it, the chances of that defense, as bad as they were, stopping them, I mean, were just in the clutch against Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. my, My confidence level in them pulling that off, even with the Hartley make, was very, very low. But that being said, um, you know, I can't blame it too much on, on him. I mean, he makes the 43-yarder, and there's a holding penalty. He's about to hit a 53-yarder offside, forty. I mean, it was kind of a clusterfuck. Um, and then, you know, obviously he hooked it. I mean, he barely missed it. He missed it by um, an inch. You know, it was an inch to the left. He hit it pretty well, and uh, it was a 48-yarder. It wasn't a chip shot. It was outdoors. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I kind of think Hartley would be fine.
2: You know, it, it, I'm, I'm disappointed for him that he missed it, and um,
0: it really sucks that he hit the 43 yarder and that holding
1: penalty kind that of That would have been good from like 60 um, too.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I think there, you look at Sproles and then you look at David Thomas, who is guilty of the hold on that field goal that he made. Um, and I, I don't think you can blame Harley any more than, or less than those two guys. I mean, those two guys to me are just as guilty. So.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, The thing is with this team uh, that they seem – and we talked about it earlier – to to have even – I don't even know quite how to describe it is they just don't have anybody on defense, Andrew that can really change the momentum. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins did it, but it was really a freak show. It was, a, it was sort of a confluence of events. It wasn't anything necessarily that he did to create that fumble. You know, they don't have a guy that can sort of take the game by the throat and say, yeah, we're down 21-7, but I can, ch- I can change this momentum. around, Or this offense is kicking our ass, I can change it around. Like, on offense... They have a bunch of those guys. They have Drew Brees and Sproles and Colston. I mean, when it when it was twenty-one-seven, you were kind of like, oh, it's kind of getting, it might get out of control, but when they scored and it was twenty-one-fourteen, you could you could feel the momentum turn. I don't feel like they have anybody on defense. I mean, Carl, Curtis Lofton is a nice player, but I'm not. He's not cha- He's not changing the momentum of a game around.
0: No, I think Lofton is is an effective player. He's kind of a workhorse. He's a tackling yeah. machine. But he's not a playmaker. Um, you're absolutely right. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's tough. I mean, they really have no one to turn to right now. that can go in there and um, be a difference maker.
2: They really don't. They don't have
0: that guy. And um, you know, you know, I, they do get Sean Payton back next year. And depending on how bad they end up, they may have a, a, a high first round pick. Um, so, you know, I don't want to talk draft just yet. Obviously, take it week not to
1: not week. Yeah, not a week if they're 0-5. But, Ralph,
0: I mean, by God, I'm saying this right now, and then we can put the draft talk to rest, but I'm saying it right now. If they don't invest whatever that first-round pick, hopefully it's – I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to say hopefully it's top ten because then we're in for more misery. But, you know, assuming that it is, regardless, actually, of where the pick is, if they don't invest it in the first round in a defensive player, I'm, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna lose my mind. You know, I, I seriously am gonna question if I can still keep rooting for this team if they don't go defense with this first pick.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, the thing is with, you know, we can talk, talk draft for a little bit. I mean, they have a lot of good defense. They have the, the, the linebacker from Georgia. I can't think of his name, but he's freaking awesome and he's number one on Mel Kuyper's big board. You got Sam Montgomery. You got Mingo from LSU. I mean, and, and to me, Andrew, if the season does turn, you know, if if they lose this week and and the season does go completely black and you end up with two or three wins, to me I really hope if they get the number 1 or 2 pick, I really hope you have a team out there, you know, like a Cleveland say if they fire everybody and they switch regimes or another team out there that's really really desperate for a quarterback and they say, hey, Saints, we'll give you a boatload of picks. Because to me, if you can get a boatload of picks, this defense, unfortunately, is probably like a one- or two-year project. Because they don't have cap room, they're going to have to do it through the draft. Now, that doesn't mean yeah. that, that next year with Sean Payton, they couldn't turn around and get it to a creditable level where – 2009, where you hit on a couple of cheap veterans and, you know, you're – they. I think they could be a contender, but – they're going to have to really infuse this defense with youth. Youth, and I would like the extra draft picks. But you're right. I mean, they they've got to they've got to get a they've got to get a guy either a linebacker or a defensive end that teams say we have got to figure out how to block that guy. Like even if the Saints Clay Matthews on the Saints would make a huge difference. It just, oh, absolutely! Just one guy that you can say. One we, guy. We have yeah. to block I mean, look, him. Look
0: at look at Dwight Freeney for the Colts. One guy. Yeah. Look what John Abraham for the Falcons for years. I mean, remember how much of a pain in the ass Julius Peppers used to be with the Panthers. I mean, literally, it takes one guy, and, and for me, it's got to be an elite pass rushing defensive end. Um, has got to be what the Saints target, um, because. You know, I mean, you look at the Dome Patrol years, and now the front seven of the Saints from top to bottom and really those four linebackers were the fear of God in pretty much anyone. But think about the back end in those days. It was oh Brad Mack, Dean Adkins, and Toy Cook, and Robert Massey. Those guys aren't any better than Jenkins and Harper
1: and, and Javari Greer. They're oh, really not. Greer, Greer, if he played with the Dome Patrol, would have made the Pro Bowl multiple times.
0: Oh yeah. So um that's my point. You you make average defensive yeah. backs look pretty good when you're getting in the quarterback's face all the time.
1: Yeah, which which that's a great point you bring up, which brings me to uh one point of that I made in my I mentioned it in my column and, and other blog, the angry who dad actually retweeted my column and thanked me for it. And one of my points is I'm not sure that the corners for the Saints are terrible. I don't think they're elite. But because they have to cover for five to seven seconds every pass play, I'm not sure that they're terrible, and I'm not sure that if the Saints had Dion and Daryl Green in their prime, I'm not sure that their pass defense would be elite. Because it, it's so hard to judge their secondary because their pass rush is the worst in football.
0: It really, it really is the worst in football, and and I agree. It does not matter who's back there. Um, There's just, you know, Jabari Greer isn't Deion Sanders, first of all. He's a a solid cover corner. Um, And, yeah, he's worked with the saints him, and I like him as a player. And uh, Patrick Robinson's okay. You know, he's not awful. And I know that these last few weeks it seemed that way. But if you remember him last year, I mean, he was by far, I thought, the best player on the team defensively um, last season. So. Uh, those guys have talent, and um, you know we know Malcolm Jenkins and Harper have, yeah. had, their, have had their fair share of plays. Um, so those guys aren't awful, um, but I, I just don't think they're good enough given the pass rush. But it all starts with the pass rush, and especially it's not it's not like it's you know for every team you have there has to be a pass rush. For this scheme, for this defense, it's all about the front four getting pressure. That, that's that's Spagnuolo's ticket. And it's not happening, and so that that's that's the backbone of his defense. It's not working, and when the backbone doesn't work, everything else falls apart. Yeah, so, and some, I mean, th- this would be like Chase Daniel being in quarterback instead of Brees for Sean Payton's offense, and not making proper reads, turning the ball over. You know what I'm saying?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and that's that's the thing I was going to ask you. I mean, you watch tape, and you know, people say, well, you know, I, I hear these these national experts, you know, they say, well, Steve Spignola – it takes time. It takes time. It'll, it'll get better. It'll get better. But to me, Andrew, how much scheme do you see with the front four? I don't see them doing stunts and 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 twists and different sort of things. I just see four guys getting whipped every play. Yeah. And that's not that's not scheme. That's just the Saints guys can't get off blocks. And I don't know. Yeah,
0: it's not it's not creative, but. Um, I, I think it stresses the importance of one on one defensive end versus tackle and just beating them. And it's not happening. And, you know, the, in, in Will Smith's defense, really the four left tackles he's played to this point are all very good left tackles. Yeah. You know, hopefully at some point he'll get to face an inferior player. But, well, that'll be this um, week. San
1: Diego is pretty weak that's on the right. Line. That's
0: right. That's right. That's right. Um, but, um, but, you know, he's faced some tough left tackles, and he's been manhandled for the most part. Um, Cam Jordan can't – I mean, he can't do anything. Guy, The guy just can't can't get any pressure. Um, Cedric Ellis is a mess. He can't get any pressure. Um, so, at, at some point, you got to think, okay, who are the guys that have at least gotten some pressure? Will Smith a little bit. Uh, Junior Gallette to me, has been the best in terms of getting the quarterback. Um, now, Junior Gallet, you, you kind of saw – his liabilities in that game because he played a lot and they, they put Cedric Benson going at him numerous times. And if you saw the game that Cedric Benson had against the saints, um, which is, you know, by far the best game he's had this season, um, you'll realize how much of a liability Gillette is against the run. Um, But, you know, I I, I say at this point, you know, you got to go with the guys that are getting in the quarterback. Um, But, but, you know, I still think you stick with the vets. Um, and I, I think you need to start blitzing Harper more, getting more creative, you know, and, and kind of abandon this four-man rush because it's not working.
1: Well, and the thing is too with with Gillette, uh, to me, at the end of this year, Andrew, I I, I want to have an answer on him. I mean, I'm not I'm not totally sure that there's something in there with Martez William, Wilson. I, I don't know, but to me, there's a possibility that there's a player in there somewhere with Gallette. and to me. Yes, he sucks against the run, but if you play him all year and at the end of the year you're saying to me, Ralph, I'm watching the film and as atrocious as he was against the run in September and October, he's average now and he still gets the pressure. Well then then you can go into next year and you can say not that hey, we don't need a defensive end, Julian Gillette's the solution, but you could say, you know what? Junior Gallette is a guy that we can put in Steve Spagnuolo's rotation, and he'll be a solid contributor. I I want answers on him. I don't – the Saints cannot go the way they have with receiver with Adrian Arrington of you're just waiting for him. Oh, he's going to come around, and he never actually plays in the game. I want to get an answer on these young guys, especially – Junior Gillette, I want, to, I want to be able to make some kind of definitive statement at the end of this year about him. And I feel like the only way you can do that is to play him.
0: No, I'm with you. I agree. And um, I keep waiting for this Will Smith suspension to be <laughs> official so that you won't be in the lineup and Gillette, they have to play him more. Um, but I, I don't know what's taking so long about that, by the way. Um, but I, I think you'll see that. Right now the Saints are still – um you know it's crazy as it sounds at 0 and 4 they're they're not eliminated yet so i, I think you have to stick with the guys that you think give you the best chance to win a game until the season's over but i think it, you know if you get to a point where you're five and ten or four and four and nine and it's pretty clear that you're not making the playoffs i think you'll start to see that
1: mm-hmm. hopefully yeah. yeah which i mean um brings us to the to the we'll wrap it up and you know you mentioned it earlier but but give me your thoughts on this game against San Diego and what you expect and what you sort of expect from the crowd and will are the Saints finally going to get a win do you think
0: i yeah i think they will and i i think um, it's going to be important for the Saints to get off to a good start because um, if they go down a couple scores in the first quarter um, I think it'll, you'll potentially see the, the raining of boos, um, and I think you'll see the Saints fans get depressed, negative, and turn on the team pretty quickly. Um, so, I think it's important, really important, for the Saints to get off to a good start. Um, but uh, you know, on the flip side, if they get if they get up 10 nothing, or you know, 10-7, or something like that, and they're in the game, Brees gets that touchdown early and kind of gets the the fans amped up on a Sunday night. You know, they're you know they're going to be just um, so I think the crowd, as long as the Saints get you off to a decent starting and just don't, you know, the defense doesn't for minute one um, give off 35-yard plays to, to Phillip Rivers, um, you know, I think the crowd will be fine, and um, I think it's going to be a, a fun night. I think it's going to be one of those nights where the Saints' offense is clicking on all cylinders, and, and like I said, I think it's going to be similar to that Detroit Lions playoff game where yeah. – um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, close or maybe the Saints are down four at halftime, which I believe was the score at halftime against the Lions. And then, um, I don't know if it's Jabari Greer or Malcolm Jenkins, but someone's going to come up with a pick. Offense will follow that up with a touchdown. We'll get a three and out. Are
1: I'll you predicting a safety to get Two an interception touchdown. for the Saints? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, sorry. That, that was, that was going a little far. My apologies. <laughs> I'll pick a corner. I'll pick, I'll be safe here. But, um, you know, the Saints go up, you know, 14 maybe, and I think they end up winning the game by about 17. And um, North Turner goes from hero back to go again.
1: Of course. So, uh, with that, Andrew, thanks for joining us. Hopefully we'll talk next week, and the, uh, the Saints can go into a bye in this fucking misery. Just just break just the record. Just win. win exactly. I just want a little ray of sunshine um, because – at this point, this season between the Saints and LSU, it's wearing me the fuck out, and it's not even barely October.
0: I think LSU is going to be Florida by
1: a good 17. Ooh, wow! You Mark really, that down. you really do. Well, they haven't won. Yep. They haven't won in Florida during the day. This is Tommy Hodges, quarterback. So um, it's been a while. I
0: think you're going to surprise the people if you get the body and um, Mark it down. on am
1: saying right. Well, I'll, I'll hold you to it, and we'll uh, we'll discuss it next week. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Same. Right, thanks.
2: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
0: Hi. Checking in for
2: or the perfect table. Hey, where are you?
0: Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.